Welcome to another episode of Vacation Rental Insiders Podcast. It's time to learn from Ryan and Lucas how to become a short-term rental property host and start a successful vacation rental business. Get ready to learn and be the best host you can be. And now your hosts, Ryan and Lucas. Hello again, it's Ryan. And this is Lucas. And we're back today doing another episode. Today's episode is about being a super host. This is not redundant per se, even though we've done an episode about super host, have we not? Yes, we have. Yep, okay, yep, yep. we've talked about how to become one. Yes. Right, now, 40 some odd episodes in here. Uh, I don't know when you're going to publish this one, but I think it's going to be episode 49-ish. Uh, right in that neighborhood. So... Maybe less. I think you're going to rearrange a couple of the other ones. But anyway, 40-some episodes in, we're revisiting the topic, and here's why. Um, We want to ask a critical question. Does being a super host really matter? Okay. Now, there's a flip side to this, too. On VRBO, since we cover both, there's what's called a premier host over there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and the premier host is a little bit easier to meet than the super host requirements. Okay. okay. Um, but we're going to discuss, does it matter for either or? Okay. So when you are new and you have, uh, you know, you're all ambitious and you want to get accolades from the guests that stay at your home and you want to get accolades from Airbnb and you want to be recognized for your efforts to get to super host, you have to have a 4.8 or higher rating. Uh, globally, by the way, that's between all of your listings. Um, and you have to have a basically 0% cancellation rate, correct? Basically zero. I mean, if you cancel one person in a 12-month period, you will lose your super host status. Correct. Um, now, there are extenuating on... circumstances, but we're not going to get into that. We're just recapping what it takes to become one, right? Yes. So um, response rate, that's another one, right? So how quickly do you respond to people? 90%, I believe, is the benchmark. So it's response rate. It's cancellation rate, and it's rating in general by the folks that have stayed at your your place. Okay, that's how you get there. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up right here so we can read it right after get the, the uh, superhost requirements. Right. Um, complete at least ten trips or completed three reservations that oh, right. total at yes. least hundred nights. Maintain a ninety percent response rate or higher. Maintain a one percent cancellation rate or lower, with exceptions made for those that fall under the extenuating circumstances policy, which we'll get in at a later date. And, and then maintain a 4.8 overall rating. This okay. rating looks at the past 365 days worth of reviews. So rating, response rate, cancellation rate, and frequency of renting. So in other words, you can't have a, an extremely part-time listing where you've only rented three times in a, in a period of a year. Yes. Um, so in other words, if you're, if you're an extremely passive person that's like, ah, you know what, I'm only going to rent my house out when I'm out of town, which by the way... That's kind of how Airbnb started, just if you're wondering. We've we've covered that in the past. There used to be a scenario where people only rented their home because they were leaving it. And then, you know, they would put it on the market for that week. Um, Some people still do that, believe it or not. But you're not going to get super host status renting your house a couple times a year. Correct. Okay, so. Well, let me me, uh, reiterate the VRBO eligibility here for their premier host program. They are a 4.3 or higher average review rating, and they actually so re- they actually reduce that during COVID from 4.5 to 4.3. So it's okay. lower than Airbnb's 4.8. And again, it's still a 90% or higher booking acceptance rate. Okay. Um, so that's not a response rate. That's how often that's you're accepting rate. bookings. Yep. Now, they don't say it, but uh, Airbnb will penalize you for not accepting reservations. Correct. Too I, frequently. I think it's, I don't know if that has an active um, uh, penalty. 
but I think it's a threat that comes if you shadow, reject too many. I think they those. shadow yeah. ban you on the search results. Yeah, for Android, I think too yeah. Five percent. Uh, We're talking are, conspiracy. Yeah, conspiracy, <laughs> conspiracy <laughs> theories. Five uh, percent or lower owner initiated cancellation rate. Owner um, initiated. So that's five yeah. percent. That's that's better than one percent. You you need three or more VRBO reviews in a one quarter period. And you need five bookings or 60 booked nights in a one-quarter period. Okay. So they're slightly different, but the criteria are, are the, the, the basis are pretty close to the same thing. You know, these are the things you want to keep up with, do well at, respond to people, don't cancel on people, and uh, accept more bookings than you reject, now, obviously. My question to you is, what are the pros that you get from being a super host? Right. So you become a super host. What are you getting out of that? Well, here's the deal. On Airbnb, you're going to get a badge, Right. And on VRBO, you're going to get a similar type a labeling yep. that says, hey, we're, we're a premier. Yep. Now, there are search criteria, search filters that the guests can use. So they're online. Yep. They're trying sh- to shop for a place. They can click, I only want to see super hosted properties. Correct. And premier host. Premier host has that filter search. Correct. So, so you're going to get in a broader search result if you're a super host. Okay, so that's a benefit. Um, there are scenarios where being a super host um, is, an, an, in my opinion, an absolute requirement. Now, what am I talking about? I'm talking about a luxury ski chalet up in the mountains near Colorado. You know, if you're trying to get $800 a night for a house, you, you better be a super host. Yeah. People don't want to part ways with a lot of hard earned dough if you're a schmuck running a 4.5 rating. Yeah. Okay, so the 4.8 is fair. Being 4.8 or higher should be your expectation when you open something of that size and luxury level. Uh, a friend of mine just went to a wedding in Colorado over the weekend in Estes Park uh, near the entrance to the Rocky Mountain National Park. I don't know if anybody knows where that is, but it's it's a nice area. Um, the Airbnb they stayed at uh, slept, I think he said 15 people. It was a massive house massive cabin they paid fifteen hundred dollars a night for this house you better believe that was a super host okay so if you're in that realm of hosting i think it's a requirement now where is it not a requirement okay you're an urban renter you're an urban listing holder you're an urban host like me I've got a lot of properties in uptown Minneapolis, right? But to clear the air, you're a super host. I am a super host, and I have no intentions of not being one. But I don't personally believe that I would be vacant anymore. And, and by the way, I'm about 97% occupied on a regular basis. Now, part of that is price manipulation. I'm very attentive to making sure I'm booked. Um, and I'm, I'm always watching the market, and I'm careful with that stuff. We covered all that in smart pricing. Um, and all that, that jazz. But um, I don't really think that when my price point fluctuates between 65 and $99 a night, that the folks that are coming to stay in a two or three bedroom home in an urban area are going to care. I think there's people that are coming for two or three days that could probably care less if I'm a super host. Correct. I feel like people look at more so the reviews that you have, right. On, right. have on the property than necessarily yeah. if you're a super Correct. host. Correct. On the flip side of that, the room share department, where you're renting a room across the hall from someone else. Yeah. I would want a super host. I would want a super host. <laughs> okay, so so we just went from the way down basic renting of a room all the way up to the highest end luxury unit. 
is where we're kind of saying Superhost is required. Why am I saying that on the low end? Why am I saying that on the room share? I'm saying that because you're going to be literally living in the same space with that person. If they are a poor host and they've got a 4.2 rating, uh, I, I don't I don't want to share living space with them for a few days. Absolutely not. They're probably weird. There's a reason they've got low reviews. Maybe they're not cleaning. Um, I, I want to be comfortable around yeah, that person. So, sure. you know, Superhost would be a necessity, in my opinion, for that area. Now, in between, if you're somewhere in between there, um, does Superhost really matter? Okay, we scour the groups on Facebook and the other hosts we know. We, we listen to the stories. Here's what happens. A bad guest comes in. They're terrible to your home. They have dirtied it. They've disrespected it. They've broke rules. Let's say they've smoked or thrown a party. Let's just go extreme, right? Um, you as a host need to confront them and say, you've messed up my house. You've broken this. You've broken this rule. I'm going to now have to remediate that, and I need to collect money to do so. Now, if you follow Airbnb's policy to the letter, you're supposed to collect that money immediately. You're supposed to make a claim against them or, or, or negotiate with them immediately. If you do that prior to them leaving a review, what could happen? A bad review. Right. And it's probably going to happen, right? You are almost certain when you confront someone before they review you and you offend them because you're, you're telling them, hey, you messed up my house, you're assuredly going to get a low review. Period. It's going to happen. I've had it happen. You've had it happen. Thousands of hosts have had it happen. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be careful what I say because I don't want to. I don't want to have some folks from Airbnb who are dialing into our podcast to check us out hear me sully them or slam them. But I, I do not like that they are so rigid on the review process. If you know for a fact a person is going to retaliate with a poor review, you can't do anything about it. As long as that review is in those, I don't want to get onto another topic. We've done a show about it. We've done a show about how they don't remove them. We've done it. I don't like that the guest can now basically hold you hostage. No, they use the review system against you. Right. Now, but it's not just the guest that's using it against you. If they know how to use it against you, it's Airbnb. You know, again, I want to watch how I say this. It's Airbnb not wanting you to file a damage claim. And if you file a damage claim... Well, there could be a poor review waiting for you at the end. So Correct. you need to be cautious because if I remember, you know, if you guys remember from that episode, Airbnb's host guarantee is not an insurance policy. So they are paying you out of a fund that they have somewhere. And, you know, in order to keep that fund afloat, they can't just be paying out for every little thing. So they're hoping that you think twice about filing the small stuff. Right. And, uh, and don't do that because you could receive a bad review. But I do want to transition into the benefits that you get from maybe VRBO's Premier Host platform. Mm -hmm. You know, you get that little badge. You get that little filtered search. Uh, VRBO also has a boost program. So they give you these power-up points uh, on your program. Now, I never use them. I always forget to use them because I don't think they really help me in any capacity. <laughs> so also keep that in mind. You see this boost and I have like maybe 600 points to use and they want you to use like 25 per night and it increases you in the search results. Okay. So I go and drop a bunch on specific dates once or twice a year because I forget to use them all the time mm -hmm. and then they expire after like 12 months. So okay. make sure you use them if you're going to have them. But they do give you the boost program. I don't think it really helps in my personal opinion and it, it gives you no way to know if the boost is what got you your booking. So mm -hmm. there's really no way to kind of put two and two together. Okay. Um, what I do, however, like about being a super host and being a premier host 
is the priority access to the Superhost line on Airbnb and the priority support on VRBO that they give you for being a premier host. I am on the phone with them in five minutes. Nice. I am not in a queue. I'm not waiting for two hours. During COVID was a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but even before you're Superhost and before you're premier host, you're still waiting 40 minutes to Mm -hmm. get on the phone Mm -hmm. with somebody. On their on their premier host and super host platforms, you're getting online with them in five minutes to talk nice, to them. Nice, you're done. Nice. And actually, VRBO gives you your own like regional person that you have your their cell phone number. Nice, you can contact them or, or their VRBO extension number where you can sure. contact them and, um, and and ask them anything you want. That's your personal connection. You need anything on your account, you go there. But only if you're a premier host, you get that person's contact info. Nice, nice. Um, so that is a plus. However, again, I'm right there with Ryan. I don't think that. I think that for me being in a vacation rental setting on the high end, mm-hmm. I think that it definitely helps. Yeah. Um, however, I do see other properties in some of my same buildings that are not affiliated, affiliated with management companies. They're not a premier host. They're not a super host. And I can tell that their occupancy calendars are still full. Yep. So if you're in a prime time location and you have a ton of traffic through your town or your vacation area, that it might not necessarily matter as long as your reviews are good. Um, but you know, just to be safe, I guess I would shoot for super host or shoot for premier host. That's kind of the, you know, the kind of the level that you want to be at, um, in terms of your property, you would, you should want to keep your property above 4.8 anyways, right. um, for your own personal gain. So, um, so back to the whole point of us having this conversation that we were having before we started recording is there's a ton of people on the platform as hosts that feel like the super host badge is, is making them hostage. Because they are dealing with crappy guests who do crappy things to their nice houses and they feel like they can't do anything about it. Otherwise, they're going to lose their super host status because a bad review is coming. So if you're in that situation where you feel like you need to protect yourself, number one, evaluate the damage. Do not be a person that is going to sit and complain about a $30 pillow and try and collect on that every time. That's dumb. That is a waste of time. Yep. That is indeed a cost of doing business. Do not be in a position where that $30 makes or breaks your profit in the first place. I touched on that on that episode. I said Correct. pretty much less than 100 bucks. I never filed. Yeah, what's the money. point, right? Yeah. So if, if you're chasing down $50, $60, $70 items, $30 items, that's on you. You know what I mean? But if you have a real problem and you really need to address it with the guest... Do not be held hostage by super host status in that scenario. Um, yes, it will help you if you have it, but you have to say to yourself, will this ruin me if I lose super host status because I'm going to get a low review? Okay? And maybe you lose super host status for one quarter because they do evaluate every quarter. Yep, every quarter. Okay? So you get four shots a year at becoming a super host. If you get a bad review and it slides you below 4.8 temporarily, go kick some butt, improve things. Get 5.0 after 5.0 after 5.0, and it'll go away. Trust me. Yep, Some of my properties were below 4.8 when I came out of the gate. I'm going to admit this and confess to you that there was a learning curve when I was new. And my first property that was not in one of my own properties and close to home, and I started to do rental arbitration, I screwed up. There were things I didn't think were important. I found out really fast there are certain things that are important. And so I had to, I had to check myself. I didn't throw in the towel and delete the listing I could have and start over. I could have done that. I didn't do that. I sucked it up. I did better. And all of a sudden, the 5.0 reviews started pouring in. And all that those bad reviews from 
two and a half, three years, they're gone. Yeah. They're I a figment a, of my memory. I had a property that started with a three right off the get-go, but I've had fives ever since. Yeah. So we're You back. come back. You come back. You come back. And your next one at a five, you're immediately at a four average. You start ticking up from there, 4.5, and you move up. Yep. Before you know it, you're at 4.8, and that's, that, that crap's in the rearview mirror, and you don't even care. Yep, yep, yep. So so listen, don't be hostage by Superhost. That was the point of the episode. I hope we were insightful. hope we gave you some extra little tidbits and nuggets there on, on some of the other factors. So... Um, in the meantime, find us on Instagram, Vacation Rental Insiders, and then uh, like and subscribe as we always try and remind you to do. I hope you've done it by now, folks. In the meantime, be the best host you can be and go get that money. Go get that money. Thanks for listening to the Vacation Rental Insiders podcast. Please remember to rate us so other smart people just like you can find us. And hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Until next time, be the best host you can be.